Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, what was your best date ever? My best date ever? Um, do you really want me to talk about it? <laughs> Honestly? I mean, okay, well, what a, what a good, a good recent first date, um, that I went on, um, went to dinner. Mm-hmm. Nice dinner. A place I really enjoy. And then I went to, the um, a building roof that looks over our beautiful Atlanta skyline. You can see all the skylines around Atlanta. It was around sunset. Wow, that sounds lovely. It was pretty good. Have you ever gone to like a soda fountain and split a Sunday with a boy and you had two sun- two straws? No, but I have, you know, eaten spaghetti from the same plate and we actually ended up um, eating thing? the same noodle and then... It ended in a kiss. Oh, no, that's so it, adorable. No, it, that never happened. I'm gonna, pret- I'm gonna pretend it did. Okay. But do you know how like that sort of presented in some classic movies as the typical date? Oh yeah, the soda fountain date. Yeah. The chocolate malt. I'm gonna put it out there right now that I really want to go to a soda fountain on a date. Okay. But do you know that I might never? And do you know why? Because there aren't many soda fountains left in that that could be one factor. But because dating is dead. That is what I learned this week. I read all these articles, and I know you did too, about how dating is dead. And now I'll never get to go to a soda fountain. It's okay, Molly. You know, you can always go to a soda fountain with me. <laughs> Might not be the same, and I would want my own malt. But anyway, that's we can talk about that after the podcast. Okay, but why is dating dead, Kristen? Why did you send me all these scary stories that dating is dead? Well, okay, I would say, you know, dating's changed. From, uh, back in the day, mm-hmm. you know, the, uh, back in the days of the, the soda fountains and the, and the movies and the sock hops. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this idea that dating is dead is based on, uh, this, this buzzword, buzz phrase, if you will, called the hookup culture. Yes. It's this idea that instead of dating people in their twenties and even in their teens and on college campuses are just having Rampant sex and not going on dating and working, working their way up to sex, just <laughs> jumping right in bed. And then, uh, maybe if things work out, then you might end up dating. Yeah. I guess the way it used to go in olden days is that you would meet someone you liked, you would court them, go on a few dates, and then it would turn more serious. In terms of physical stuff. And I thought it was interesting, Molly. We found this NPR story on this idea of the hookup culture. And it traced dating, the rise of dating, back to the 1940s and 50s um, when poor families wouldn't be able to host a courtship mm-hmm. arrangement where the man would come over to the girl's house and maybe sit in the parlor. Listen to her play the harpsichord. The harpsichord. And, uh, and he would actually take her out of the house to, for activities because there, you know, there wasn't room in the, in the poor family's mill house. Yeah. And I think that dating might be on the way out just because we are in a recession. It's kind of expensive to go on a date. Dinner and a movie, that's a pricey ticket. Yeah, that is, that is expensive. But let's talk about this idea of the hookup culture because it's been portrayed as in very alarmist terms, mm-hmm. largely by people from our parents' generation. It seems like I remember running across this op-ed in the New York Times last year called The Demise of Dating. 
And it uh, started off with this definition of hookup culture, you know, for readers who are over 30 who are saying, oh, by the way, I'm talking about hookups. And if you don't know what a hookup is, it's basically having any kind of physical intimacy with someone that you might not plan on dating. Mm-hmm. Anything from kissing to the full shebang. Any, any, any of the bases, if you will. Yeah. First base, second base. They're even saying that the bases have changed. So Molly, oh, you're blowing my mind. Yeah. There are a lot, a lot of changes happening in today's dating world. But the fact is, is it a change? Because then we were reading about the origin of the term hookup and it's been around since the seventies. I mean, I, I appreciate our parents' concern that we might not be getting our, our money's worth in terms of relationships. But the fact of the matter is, is it seems like this has always been going on and people are just now trying to put this term on it. Right. Um, and then there was a book that came out a couple of years ago by Laura Sessionstep that seemed to really tip off this whole conversation about the hookup culture. And um, her book was called Unhooked. And it was very anti-hookup culture mm-hmm. from the perspective that it's harming specifically to young women mm-hmm. who are going out and having sex and then they're just becoming emotionally damaged from the whole process. And uh, she even goes on to blame it on the chemical oxytocin, which I think we've talked about in other podcasts before, which is basically this hormone that's released when women have sex uh, that promotes feelings of connection and attachment. And she's saying that, you know, we are getting these feelings of connection and feel good things from sex, whereas men are getting a shot of testosterone. Um, but so so she's saying that we're just biologically impaired. Right. As soon as we have sex with someone, we're going to want to date them. Yeah. And the men are going to want to, and thus we are setting ourselves up for a world of emotional hurt. World of pain. So these critics of this uh, movement are almost saying that it's feminism gone too far. Like, yes, women are told by culture and society that they can have sex like a man without any feeling, but that really they can't. That, in it, you know, it might be going too far in terms of we become really accepting uh, date rape. We all have to get drunk before we can have sex, things like that. I mean... I think there is a way to look at this where this kind of culture could be taken too far. But Molly, there is, you know, of course, another side to this argument that Laura Sessionstep is trying to spearhead this anti-hookup culture thing. We have um, third wave feminists like Jessica Valenti who are saying that uh, Laura Sessionstep argument is basically a form of, quote unquote, slut shaming, where it turns the women, you know, who are going out and having sex with men who they want to have sex with into these dirty women who are just kind of... Um, you know, prostituting themselves out just for a good time and turning themselves into damaged goods. And that's a really dangerous, uh, portrayal of women and an unhealthy perception of sex because the fact of the matter is we're getting married later than ever. We have this gap in our mid-20s. I think the average age for a woman in the U.S. to get married now is something like 26. Um, so are we supposed to just sit on our hands and wait? No. But, okay, so here's what we did. We were we wanted to see if dating is dead. We wanted to explore hookup culture. And maybe it doesn't even exist. Maybe mm-hmm. it's just a lot of columns. It's a media buzzword. So, Kristen, you know Kristen loves her facts. I do. Kristen just dug into the world of research and scholarly journals and so on and so forth and couldn't find anything scholarly about hookup culture. Yeah, I really wanted to find out, like, have there been any studies to back up this idea that uh, hookups are bad specifically for women Mm -hmm. and whether or not hookups are degrading this idea of dating 
or even in fact, if this is really happening, right? Yeah. And the one thing I, I did want to run across one thing, a single study, mm-hmm. okay, um, about hookups in college among uh, and women's feelings towards hookups in college. And it said that women are more likely than men to regret having hookups a lot of times because there is alcohol involved and maybe you get your beer goggles on and, and then you wake up and, you know, Steve isn't quite as attractive or appealing as you thought he was. And his name isn't even Steve. And his name isn't Steve. And you don't know where you are. There, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of complicated layers to this. And at this, on the flip side, men are more likely to regret inaction, like not, not taking, uh, Stacy home. Or if that is her name. <laughs> is her name. Um, so A, we can't find evidence that this is happening more than it used to. And B, we really can't find out whether or not this is affecting women more than men because all of these studies and all of these assertions that are being made are only about the women. Right. It's very anecdotal. Yeah, it's very anecdotal. And I think it takes away the fact that, you know, men somewhere might have emotions as well. <laughs> Shocker. Yeah. All these arguments result um from this idea that women are going to get attached and then be miserable. It never looks at the flip side that a man's going to hook up with a girl and be like, yeah. That's for me. That never happens according to people in these articles. Right. It's uh, like you said, it's a, a lot of it's based on anecdotal evidence. And anecdotally, Molly, I would say that the world of dating has changed a lot because not necessarily because of hookup culture, but just because of the way that men and women communicate to date. We have text messages. Mm-hmm. You don't have to call someone up, which is one of the most nerve wracking things in the world, in my opinion, to call up the person who you are really into for the first or second time. And we also have things like Facebook where you can get on and you can get this idea of who the person is. You can see all these like random photos of them, see their likes, their dislikes, and kind of figure out who they are before you even have the chance to go on a date with someone. Mm -hmm. And the thing about it is if there is, let's say that there is this hookup culture, um, and it is ruining dating. I would say that stuff like what you're talking about with the texting, with the Facebook, what all of that is eroding is just a man and a woman's ability to have a conversation and define if they are dating. I mean, I think that's the thing is, you know, if you hook up with someone, it's very hard to have that talk about what it actually is. But I feel like that's going to be tough anytime. Right. And I think that framing this whole conversation about the hookup culture solely from the woman's perspective is also damaging because I think that it has created this overarching idea that men want one thing mm-hmm. from a woman and that's to have sex. Like if, if you hook up with a guy, you know, he's not going to want to call you the next day because well, what's the old saying that our moms probably told us don't, you know, don't give away the samples for free. The milk. Yeah. I think you made fun of me for saying that in another podcast. <laughs> probably. But there is that kind of idea that, you know, it's, it's that whole slut shaming concept yeah. that, you know, you go and you, you give the guy, you know, too much and he's not going to want to come back because he's already had his fill. And I think that that's a very, um, damaging idea for girls to grow up with and approach men with because I think it takes away, you know, the kind of a more emotional and personal side of, of dating. I think that's true. And, you know, like you're saying, there's a huge double standard where we expect guys to be these bachelors around town, these kings of the frat houses, whereas a woman is more likely to be demonized and have an awful reputation for this. So, I mean, the thing, the one takeaway is you, if you don't want to have that reputation, then be discreet. Yeah. Don't do it if you don't want to. And the, the point you made about reputation is one that, um, 
an author called named Kathleen Bogle made. She was uh, she had an interview with InsideHigherEd.com, and she was saying that the hookup culture does affect genders differently based on her studies. And one of the main ways that it does is the reputation, the differences in reputation that men and women get from it. Unfortunately, uh, if a woman goes out and hooks up with a lot of different people, she's more likely to receive some kind of negative label. Whereas a guy is just, he's just being a dude, you know, yeah. just a, he's just a pimp. And secondly, she also makes the point that um, she thinks that women aren't getting what they want from the hookup system, but that might all go into, you know, a woman's mindset. If she's going out, like, I don't think that the route to empowerment is necessarily in the bedroom. Right. I mean, I think it can be, but if a woman is going out to get a boost of self-confidence, by being able to sleep with a man and never call him again. I don't think that that's a very healthy idea either, but I don't think that there's anything wrong with, you know, a woman going out and hooking up with someone because, you know, she does want, maybe she's got a little, <laughs> some pent up needs that she needs to, to scratch. take care of. Yeah. And it's just scratch. Right. But I think the other good point that Kathleen Bogle made is that everyone overestimates what their peers are doing. Yeah. And I think that's very important. Like, Let's say you listen to this podcast, you hear that there's this hookup culture and you're like, holy crap, I'm not hooking up. I got to go out there and hook up. Bogle says, you know, that's what everyone thinks. You just need to slow your roll that not everyone is out there hooking up. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I remember being in college and watching Sex in the City. And if that's what you think every woman is out there doing, then yeah, like a lonely Friday night is going to seem pretty lame. Yeah. But that's not, it's not a reality. Yeah. And parents have been terrified about this idea of the hookup culture because they're thinking that teens are going out and having all the sex. But the fact of the matter is, according to Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, teens are actually having less sex Mm -hmm. than they used to. Not to say that they aren't being intimate in other ways, but uh, those, those stats are actually down. And Molly, I also found an ABC poll on the average number of sex partners in that men and women in America have. And the average for both men and women was 13. Okay. All right. But then if you break it down by gender, men are reporting an average of 20 partners and women are reporting an average of six. And that's a mighty big gap, Molly. So somebody's lying. Yeah. Who are those guys having all that sex with? Yeah. And who are all those girls not having all that sex with? But I think that these stats go to show that idea that you were saying that, you know, you don't have to, there is no magical number. Like you don't have to worry about what other people are doing if you're doing it enough or doing it too much. But in terms of things being different, in terms of these numbers being the result of a hookup culture or not a hookup culture, what do you think, Kristen? Do hookups exist? Yes. I mean, I think, though, like you said, Molly, this is something that's been going on for decades now. And we've just come up with a clever little phrase for it Mm -hmm. that strikes fear into the hearts of you know, conservatives and many parents across, (laughs) across our great country. But is it as damaging and, um, particularly harmful for women as everyone's saying it is? I don't think so, but I think that, I think it's these conversations that are 
you know, positioning women as the victims in the so-called hookup culture. That's the most damaging aspect of this. I think that going back to this idea of communication that you brought up, like the men and women are having a harder time communicating. I think that's the thing that we need to think about more than how much sex we're having, like whether or not after sex, if you do like someone, if you can ask them out to dinner afterwards and have an honest conversation about, you know, who you are as people and whether or not you like each other and whether or not you want to continue seeing each other rather than, um, having this, what I think a very antiquated idea of, oh, women should just have sex like a man. What does that even mean anyway? Yeah. I think it's time to change the conversation. I like it. I think that's the perfect note to end on, Kristen. Yes. Let's change the conversation. And Molly, let's also, let's also ask our listeners to, uh, the same question. Okay. Do you guys think that there is a hookup culture out there? Do you think that it is damaging to women? Do you think that this is a silly notion that people have just cooked up? Have you ever been to a soda fountain? Have you ever been to a soda fountain? Would you like to take Molly to a soda <laughs> fountain sometime? Um, let us know your thoughts. Yeah. And speaking of people who let us know their thoughts, um, let's do a little listener mail. So, Kristen, this is in response to the podcast, Is Menstruation the Last Taboo? Mm-hmm. And we got tons of emails. We'll, we'll never get to all of them, but there was one recurring theme above all in all the emails that we got. Are you talking about menstrual cups, Molly? You ladies out there love your menstrual cups. And I vow to you ladies who love your menstrual cups that we will definitely revisit the topic of menstrual cups. How many times can we say menstrual cups in this listener mail section? I'm going to try to say menstrual menstrual cups cups as many times as I got an email praising the menstrual cup. Yeah, it was a lot. Women seem to love their menstrual cups and they want the whole world to know. So that's why I'm saying menstrual cups right and we, now. And we do want to give a shout out to, uh, to the girls at Glad Rags who emailed us about menstrual cups. Yeah. In addition to a whole lot of other alternative menstrual products, I'm going to read part of their email about things that they're interested in. The reason they wrote is because they were disappointed that we weren't mentioning menstrual cups. In fact, alternative menstrual products in the discussion becoming more comfortable with menstrual cycles. Alternative menstrual products include things like menstrual cups, which include Diva Cup, Keeper Cup, Moon Cup, etc. Everyone has their different brand, favorite brand. I've noticed that's me talking, not Gladrex. Um, cloth pads and sea sponge tampons. We work at Gladrags, a company which sells these type of products. So promoting positive attitudes towards menstruation is a subject near and dear to our hearts. Not many people know that there are alternatives to disposable products, but we believe that everyone should have all the information available so that she can make the best choice for her body. The health benefits notwithstanding, such as reusables, don't contain bleach or other harmful chemicals and have never been linked to toxic shock syndrome. We find that most women gain a greater understanding of their bodies and a sense of comfort with their menstrual cycle. In addition, the average woman uses 16,800 pads or tampons in her lifetime. Imagine the environmental impact of all that waste. And then they go on for a request about the menstrual cup and cloth pads. And as I have vowed, we shall revisit the topic. We shall return. All right. So, in the meantime, until we revisit the topic of menstrual cups, you guys can keep up with me and Molly on our blog called How To Stuff. And if you are interested in more articles about human sexuality and other things related to hookups and dating, you can head over to HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?